this is your first time seeing me and you were expecting nudity, go to my website. It's hungtgirl.com, spelled exactly like my name here on Twitch. You can click on the pictures there. They're actually free videos. I update them every week. You can get a subscription, make a, get a membership, make a donation, or just check out the free stuff. All of the above are very much appreciated. Thank you. You can also get an idea of what we do here on The Naked Truth, which is look at a different side of me um, to give you a more complete picture of um, people like me so you don't put anyone in a box. So it gives you practice at not putting people in a box and looking at the total picture of who, who someone is particularly people who you may admire, say like people who may love the president, regardless of all his ways, give you an idea of a whole fuller look at someone so you get a, a better idea of where someone's coming from and um, hopefully help. So anyway, um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go over the gospel, um, beginning with, um, we're going to pick up in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. We left off at chapter 5. That's where Jesus um, was going over the... Um, what are called the Beatitudes, basically saying who, telling us who it is that are held in high esteem in God's eyes and what sort of character traits that that person would have. And also Jesus went over marriage and divorce and the um, Christian um, grounds for divorce and um, that there are some and that all of it is forgivable. So um, that's what we went over in the last book, last chapter. If you like, you can grab your Bible and read along with me, and we'll always, always focus on the red letters, since that's quotes attributed to Jesus. And if you're a Christian, Jesus should get the last word on any subject. And so we went over marriage and divorce in the last one. We're going to pick up at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, if you would like to read along with me, um, or just listen, and either way, be blessed. We're going to pick up Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven so that's a pretty basic straightforward thing jesus is saying if you're going to do a good work something like being charitable making a donation to some sort of cause then you should do it as um, because that's why you want to do it as just a good gesture not because you're expecting some sort of high praise for it if you do do it and get high praise for it, if you do do it for the high praise of it in the sense of making a large donation to some cause that's dear to you. If you do that, that's fine. But if you do it and announce it to everyone, oh, I gave a million dollar to, dollars to so-and-so and such-and-such -and -such for a charitable cause, that's fine. That's perfectly fine, too. But that's the reward you're going to get of, of letting everyone know that you did that and you have the ability to do that. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, but if you want to get the heavenly reward in a divine sense, the, the charity um, that you give should be just between you and God. And he's going to go further into that. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So that's what Jesus is saying there. If you make a trillion dollar donation to the children's fund or something like that, and you announce it to the world that that's what you're doing. A lot of people in the world are going to praise you for it and be glad that you did it. But that Jesus is saying here, as far as the divine is concerned, that's the only reward you're going to get is that praise that men give you for doing that. Um, and I think what he's saying is aim higher than that. He's raised the bar again in this, even in your charity. Do it for the sake of do good just for the sake of doing good. Uh, be good for goodness sake, like that song says. Um, 
Uh, not because you expect people to praise you for it, but if you do it for praise, then that's the reward you're going to get. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Jesus is saying there, as close as your left hand is to your right hand, don't let anyone that close to you even know what you're doing. So if you give a homeless person some money or something like that, then let that just be between you, that homeless person and God. Don't do that and then immediately go tell somebody, oh, I just gave that homeless bum or whatever, $100 or something like that. It says don't do it for that reason and don't do it like that. Um, and so let it be just be between your giving be between you and God. And I think this extends even to the point of, and you can see this is proven in the recent tax changes that the president has made as far as being people getting credits for their charitable giving. He's changed that now. So you notice that charitable giving is down. That's because people claim those charity, charitable uh, donations on their taxes, which is perfectly legal. But that shows you that's the reason people are doing their charitable giving so that they can use that income or offset the taxes paid on that income and market, write it off as charitable giving. But now that that's changed and the credit is not the same, the charitable giving has gone down. So that lets you know the intent right there. Because if the intent truly was to give and to help and to be charitable, you'd still give the, give the uh, gift or donation that you're going to give, regardless of if you could get a tax credit for it or not. Um, but that lets you know people's intent, no matter what they say. And like he's saying here, don't say it. If you're the one doing in the position to do that sort of giving, then let that let your reward come from above you. Don't let your reward come from the people around you saying how wonderful you are for that giving. If you do, then that's the only reward you can expect. Uh, just um, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So he's, that's what Jesus is saying there. If you truly want to, if you want to reward from people to uh, let them know how grand you are and how generous you are, or at least appear to be, then yeah, make a donation and let everybody know you did it so that everyone can put your names in the head, head name in the headlines and let everyone know how generous you are. And that's going to be a reward. But he's saying, if you want a reward from your father, that would be God then um, do it in secret. Do it anonymously. Don't do it expecting anything in return is the point. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So similarly, just like the people who do their giving publicly so everyone can see it, the same thing goes with prayer. If you see people, and I have seen people, and there was a recent example of someone doing that, um, praying on like a subway, I think it was New York City, and he ended up getting bopped by someone he offended. And like Jesus says, that happens sometimes, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. But um, he also says here, you're not supposed to be doing that in the first place. Let your prayer, just like you're giving, be in secret, not in public so that people can think you're holy. And that's not the same thing. Prayer is not the same thing as uh, a Bible reading or, um, um, you know, sharing it in that sense. It's not that that's not the same thing. Prayer is between you and God alone, or it should be, or between you and whoever it is you're in prayer agreement with for whatever cause it is you're praying. Um, but it's not something that's supposed to be open and in public like that because it just ends up looking like and being a show. But you, when you pray, go into your go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, um, this um, 
I think what Jesus is saying here, excuse me. Is that when it's time for you to communicate with God and pray, that should be something entirely secret and solemn to you. Something you share only very, very, um, very discreetly with, um, like I said, if you're praying with someone for some cause, because um, that's the only way it's going to be true. And I, he says here, go into your room, but you know, a lot of people don't even have that room to go into on their own. So sometimes that room can be a bathroom. Sometimes that room can be a closet. Sometimes that room can be a jail, jail cell. But whatever the case, Jesus is saying, when you're alone, when you separate yourself from what's going on around you, that's when you approach God and that's how you pray. You know, again, unless you're praying with people for a cause, that'd be a different story. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And this is something that we've gone, Jesus has said before, that points to, I won't call out any particular church because I don't want the whole, this whole thing, the naked truth to be blocked on this platform because some other religion, if that's the reason, gets offended by something I said. So um, if you're in a religion that tells you, for instance, if you do something that's considered sin and they turn around and tell you, oh, it's fine, do a thousand Hail Mishas or something like that. Jesus is saying here very specifically, that's what he doesn't want. That's not worship. That's not what he requires. That's not what's godly, saying something repetitiously. And that's not the same thing as a chant. You can use a chant and a mantra in a totally different way to, um, in a spiritual sense and in meditation. And that has not, not it's not the same thing. This would be like um, finding um, something someone said, um, some poem or some author, or even in the Bible, there's other people's opinions on what's godly and using that and constantly saying that as um, a repetition, thinking that's what God wants to hear. That's not what God wants to hear. God wants you to separate yourself from people um, and then approach him and make it real. He doesn't want to, to repeat something again and again. That's exactly what he does not want. That's not considered godly. You hear it right there from Jesus's own mouth. It's vain to re repeat something again and again and again, thinking that that's going to get you closer to God, thinking that's what's God, what God's going to hear. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When you go and approach God, he already knows what it is you have need of and what it is you're going to approach him about. So keep it real and go ahead and, and that's what you talk about. That's what you pray about. That's what the conversation, if you're going to pray and talk with God and um keep it real and talk about what's really on your heart and what's on your mind and the things that are going on with you. Don't just come up with some repetitious thing. So anyway, you see there's uh, shenanigans again. So I'm going to stop this reading here and pick up again, God willing, in just a second. Um, if you want, stick around. I'll be right back. click on the pictures there they're actually videos free videos i updated every week you can see that side of me and my friends you can i might even be surprised by some of them you can um get a subscription a membership make a donation or just check out the free stuff all the above are very much appreciated thank you um but now so you can also see what we do here with the naked truth um by clicking on the pages there or the living order chapel pages to get a better idea of what we do and that's trying to give you a fuller picture of what someone like me 
is like not just the sexual side that you can see there on the website but also the spiritual side that you can also see there on the website and it seems for a limited time here on twitch since there seem to be shenanigans with my um um broadcast but while i have you we're gonna read on we're, we left off at the beginning of matthew chapter 6 and jesus had given us an example of how it is Christians should behave in their giving as far as charity and an example of how Christians should behave as far as their prayer routine. And he told us very clearly, don't use vain repetitions. That's what he told us not to do. So if, like I said there, if your church is telling you, you did something wrong, say a thousand, hail, hail Misha's then um, to be forgiven of it, then that's exactly what Jesus said not to do. And if you're a Christian, what Jesus said on any subject should be should be the final word on the subject so why would you follow anything else if you're going to call yourself a christian so anyway that's where we left off we're going to pick up at matthew chapter 6 verse 9 and we're going to get into the lord's prayer you can grab your bible and read along with me or just listen and be blessed and in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name so jesus is saying the very first thing when it comes to approaching god and praying show reverence let god know uh you revere his name you hallow it and in fact most um faiths in the bible as far as the um uh, even now the orthodox faiths don't say god's name um you know whether it's y-h-v-h-y-h-w-h or something else jehovah whatever it is whatever the name is they don't say it because it's supposed to be unutterable you're not supposed to say it and if you notice jesus never says god's name um, throughout the Gospels. So if someone's telling you that it's some name in particular, just know it's probably something people cooked up, not what it actually was, just so you know. Um, uh, again, again, Jesus sets the example for us if we're going to call ourselves Christians on how to approach life. So he's saying, hello, God, that's how you begin the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's very important not to overlook what he says there. God's will isn't automatically what's going to be done if, if we have to pray for that. So um, it seems, uh, or God's will is done in heaven, like it says, but not necessarily on earth. So that's what we're praying for. And that goes to what we were talking about last time, how scientists, um, many of them, astrophysicists who don't even believe necessarily in God or uh, intelligent design or certainly not Christ, do believe that there is the existence of a possibility of an existence of multiple uh, universes and existing in the same place or multiple places at the same time in for instance that i exist here on earth right now you could see me on the on um, your whatever device or computer um, but that i would also be existing somewhere else in the universe at the exact same time but also and some believe even in the same space but it's just not perceived so maybe that's what jesus is pointing to here that god is in another dimension and in that dimension god's will is what prevails and that we're supposed to pray to god that just like in the dimension where god dwells that that same will is done here on earth uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have to pray for that. If God's will is what's always done, there'd be no will, need to pray for God's will to be done uh, if that's what always prevails here on earth. Um, give us this day our daily bread. That's pretty clear. I think what he's saying there is um, provide for us, Lord. Don't just let us uh, starve so that seeking our uh, food, filling our stomach becomes the priority because there's, you know, we're starving or have in poverty. 
Don't let that be the case. Don't let that be the reason people turn away from God and Christ and following, um, seeking something higher because they, have, they haven't even got bread to eat. So that's part of the prayer there. Don't let that be the case. But also in the spiritual sense, give us daily, our, feed us daily spiritually. Don't let us starve spiritually either. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That goes to reaping what we sow and um, and lesson that we the reading we know went over uh, last time of how some faiths will teach you an eye for an eye is what's appropriate and a lot of people believe that that if you hurt them they have the right to hurt you and uh, certainly you can find that in the Bible if that's what they believe a God tells them if you're going to follow the Old Testament but if you're going to be um call yourself Christian you're supposed to have a different standard you're supposed to go by what Christ says and he says to forgive not to um seek that sort of vengeance and and to pray that um recognizing that our own forgiveness is tied to us and our ability and willingness to forgive others that doesn't mean you have to have if it's say if it's a someone who's cheated on you or an abusive spouse or a friend who's betrayed you it doesn't mean you have to maintain the relationship or the connection to that person or uh, society or cause or whatever it is that's wronged you. It just means you have to forgive it and not hold on to that. I think in the sense of since we do reap what we sow, as long as you're holding on to it, that's a different energy you're putting out. As soon as you forgive it and let it go, then that leaves it to God to use the universe to bring whatever it is that person's done to you back onto them. Um, and in some cases, it's like sevenfold, tenfold. We reap what we sow. And, and that's whether it's something good we do or something evil that we do, it comes back to us. Um, and so um, forgive us our debts and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So in that um, closing, um, it would seem you have to also ask God to not lead us into temptation. That points to, it sounds like to me, what I've said before, that our existence here is, um, is almost like a staging where we're here to play a certain part in God's big picture and play a certain role. And that's whether we're non-believers or believers, whether we do evil things or whether we do good things, whether we, um, no matter what it is we do, we're fulfilling our role in whatever plot it is that God wants to see or chooses to see play out. And it seems like, like you said, um, it's in a different dimension. In, in the heavenly dimension, it plays out according to God's will, but it seems according to this prayer, uh, on earth, that's where we have um, control over what happens. And it not, isn't always necessarily what God's will is. And that temptations can arise. So it's praying to God to not let those temptations, not let us lead, be led into those temptations that would uh, draw us away to destruction. And then it closes with recognizing that the power, the glory, and the kingdom belong to God. Um, and then amen means that's that sort of the ending to the prayer um, and finishing. So that's the example Jesus gives us of the Lord's Prayer, how to pray to the Lord. So not to use other repetitions of people's sayings, but that that's how you pray. That's the structure, either in those exact words, but certainly with that same spirit of um, beginning with reverencing God and then the rest of it as it followed. Um, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
So that goes back to reaping what we sow, whatever it is we do coming back to us. If we forgive, then we'll be forgiven. But um, but if you do not forgive uh, men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So again, it's if you want to be forgiven the things you've done wrong, then you have to be willing to forgive other people the things they do wrong. And it, again, it doesn't mean holding on to the connection with the person, but it does mean forgiving and moving on. Or at least forgiving, even if you aren't able to move on, because sometimes you're not able to move on, but it does mean forgiving. Moreover, when you fast, and that doesn't mean that the person should escape, and it probably won't escape what it, the the punishment for whatever it is they did wrong with wrong. Um, for instance, like the officer, and then it's happened again, um, someone dying or someone being attacked with an officer's knee to their neck. So until that sort of stuff changes, you can't expect people to react re rationally or how you would want them to react because you're not in their shoes. And that's not to excuse any uh, looting, rioting, any violence or hurting anyone, but it is to say it takes all kinds. You can't expect everyone to be debaters, great debaters, or even have the clout to get another person's ear or attention who can actually change the situation. Mm -hmm. So some people are going to use whatever means they have, which could include that sort of rioting and looting. And though I wouldn't do it, it certainly does take all kinds to make, sometimes to get through and make a point to people. Sometimes that's the only thing some people will hear. And I've told you that before in situations where I've even with family members been confronted about my gender identity and all of that. And sometimes you can try to talk with people like Jesus says, and then you can try and take other people with you to try to get them to understand. And when you they still don't get through, sometimes you have to take it to, you have to meet people where they are sometimes. And if the fire is in the basement, it doesn't do any good pour water on the roof. You have to meet people where they are and break it down to their terms sometimes so that people will understand. And it's unfortunate that that's the only thing that breaks through. But with some people, that's exactly how it is. So, um... Jesus says that's the approach to prayer. Prayer. So we've gone over charitable giving. We've gone over prayer and fasting. Or prayer. Now we've gone on to fasting now. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrite with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So if you don't know what fasting is, that's basically um, giving up something you enjoy um, and dedicating that sacrifice of giving giving up something you enjoy freely, freely sacrificing that for some other spiritual cause. For instance, if you stopped eating um, eating for a day, and I would not recommend that to anyone unless you've cleared that with your doctor, nutritionist, whatever, your health care provider. Um, but it doesn't have to be food. Food is just an example that's given again and again in the Bible, but it can be giving up um, booze like alcohol. It can be giving up weed. It can be giving up sex. It could be giving up cursing. It could be giving up whatever it is you hold dear to you and enjoy, say routinely and freely and thoroughly, something you really enjoy doing that you will miss. I think that's the point of you could give up eating meat. You could give up eating chicken. You could give up eating something uh, in particular and dedicate that sacrifice of giving that up towards some other uh, cause in your life. That's what the fasting is about. And um, it's in, it usually goes, and Jesus is going to go on uh, to tell us about it more, with prayer and meditation towards some cause. So the more you desire something, the more you need something in your life, um, the more um, 
the more the more um, precious something is to you, it is that you should consider uh, fasting and giving up. And you can give it up for a day. You can give up for uh, an hour. It depends on what it is. But you dedicate that sacrifice and giving that up toward toward whatever cause it is uh, that it is you're trying to look for some sort of deliverance or even answer to in your spiritual search. Uh, so that's what fasting is. And Jesus is saying that also should be something done just between you and God or whoever it is that's in your fasting circle or pod or um, that you're uh, entrusting that same spiritual pursuit with. Um, so when you do it, don't let everybody know, hey, I'm fasting. Oh, hey, don't give me that. I can't eat that. I'm fasting. Don't do any of that. Just choose something else to eat. No one else, no one else has to know nor should they know that you're fasting from whatever it is you're fasting from. And if you if it's sex, say if you're if you consider yourself a sex addict or something you're doing sexually is um, out of control or to an obsessive level for you, and it's something you're trying to defeat, you may want to consider giving up some sort of sexual act that you enjoy a lot. You may want to say, "I'm going to fast from doing that from now until next Friday" or something like that. And dedicate yourself to doing that and not let anyone else know, even your other sex partners, you don't have to let them know even. You can do other things or abstain from seeing them. Sex is just an example. You can do the same thing with food or like I said, anything else you enjoy. The point is you're sacrificing something dear to you to show the Lord God that's watching you privately, not telling everyone else, but you're sacrificing it saying to the Lord, you need help in whatever situation that is that you're dealing with. And that sort of fasting comes in. But Jesus is saying, make sure it's private. Don't tell anyone else about it. It should be just between you and the Lord or whoever it is you're coming in agreement with for um, that cause. Like he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Now you don't even have to be in person to be gathered together in Christ's name for a cause. You can do it online just like this. Um, so that's what fasting is. And that's how Jesus says you should approach it. Um, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So again, if you're looking for a divine reward, a heavenly reward, let whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's charity, whether it's prayer, whether it's fasting, let it be private, let it be between you and God. And again, that doesn't um, include letting people know you're a Christian or letting people know that, um, you know, what your faith is, but it does mean not putting on a show for people. Let your um, light shine in a way that you don't have to say it. Let it show in your actions, let it show in your words. Um, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus is saying, don't make earthly things your treasure and make that where your heart is. Don't set your heart on things that are here in life because many people are seeing it now with 40 million, 40 million people um, new um, being in unemployment now are seeing that something you valued and thought was so precious to you yesterday means very little to you today because other things take precedent like getting something to eat. So um, things can change and you shouldn't set your heart on things of the world because like I said, things can change and that that's not where your heart should be anyway in the divine sense. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So he's saying, let your tre let what you consider to be a treasure precious to you be on the divine level. Let it be something much higher than you. And make sure 
that again, it's private and it's precious to you, something you share between you and the Lord. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is in whatever thing it is you decided to fast on because you are seeking a cause, if that's where your treasure really is, then that's where your heart's going to be. Um, so don't let that be the case. Be willing to give whatever it is you, and then that'll also give you a better, uh, give, be willing to give whatever it is that you're fasting, using in your fast, whether it's booze, sex, cursing, whatever the case may be. Um, be willing to recognize during that period of fasting how you're placing that um, thing that you're giving up. Be, realize where you're putting that in your list of priorities. That's part, I believe, is what he's saying is part of the fast so that you realize where your treasure actually is. Is your treasure in making sure you wash your car three times a day? Or is your treasure in seeking something higher and making sure your soul is right? The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. So this goes to um, you being able to see where someone's coming from eye to eye. And many, many times, if you're sensitive enough to it, you can tell in someone's demeanor when they change. You can tell in their eyes when they're angry with you, when they're about to hurt you, or when they're happy with you, or when they're ecstatic with you. You can see things in the eyes. And he's saying, let the light, let your goodness, what it, not your own personal goodness, what you consider goodness, let the goodness of the things you're doing, the goodness of the things you're saying show up so that when people see you eye to eye, they can see that in you and not see darkness in you. And that does nothing to do with your eye color, but the light, the energy that you're putting out from um, seeing people and people looking in your eyes and seeing what's there. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So Jesus is saying, if you have an evil eye, if, if everywhere you turn, all you do is complain or find the fault or look for the wrong or the bad in everything or if everywhere you turn you look for how to make something terrible or bad or what's wrong or make it wrong then um jesus is saying that's darkness that's what the darkness is. It has nothing to do with what color your eye is no matter how dark they are it has to do with the darkness of your heart shining through and literally in your eyes but particularly also it shows in the things you say and the things you do particularly to your fellow man no one can serve two masters for either you'll hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon so mammon here is sort of riches um excuse me Mammon, as I understand it, is riches, but not just riches, but riches with an evil influence. So it's not if you're um, riches and you're using it to make good things happen in the world for people and for humanity. But if you're using that money and that power and that that um, clout to pull around, pull off evil things, and you don't have to look far to see that happening all over our government, not just at the top, but all over it. Uh, but at the top, certainly, but as we saw, some people, and this is what the protesters should use for legal precedence for the ones that end up in court. They should use uh, the president versus, um, was, it the, was it the Supreme Court, I guess, with the impeachment trial and call for a trial with no witnesses. They should be able to do that. That should be completely legal and kosher for them to do that since that's what the president got. There's legal precedent for him being in court and taking a trial 
and not having any witnesses called because he chose to do that and they didn't press it. So God be with the protesters. Um, maybe they can use that as legal precedent to say, you know what, I'm going to fight this and take it to trial, but I demand not to have any witnesses. And again, cite the president's trial. Maybe you'll be able to get away with it. I mean, he did. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So this gets to something where people like me get involved. Jesus is letting us know here, it's not what you wear that's important. Whereas some people, if you look back, even in American history, like in the 50s and 60s, it was controversial for women to even wear pants. And they were expected to dress like a lady, meaning with a full dress on uh, and all that all the time. And you can see it in like old shows. If you want to look back on some of the old shows, they don't have very many black people in them, but there it was beginning to integrate and have black people in them. But like the Donna Reed show, if you want to look back there, it was expected that that's the image that was being put out there as what America, American homes should be like. And, and even though that's not realistic, people don't actually walk around like that. But um, Jesus is saying here that it's not clothes that's what's important. Um, don't focus on what it is you're wearing, or for instance, um, and if you look back even further than that, men wore dresses and skirts. They wore those long robes. They didn't wear pants back then either. So at times change. You can't hold the same standard. It's not a standard to hold at all, but to say that men wearing dresses now is something that's outrageous, when if you look back 2,000 years, 2000 years, men wore dresses, and it was no issue. So if you're going to say God never changes, that's a lie, because uh, just like times change and what was accepted then is not accepted now, had nothing to do with God at all. And Jesus is saying here, don't focus on the clothes. That's not what's important. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Of how much more are you not more valuable than they? So Jesus is saying here, you, I ran across someone, a homeless person I met, who saw me feeding some ducks some one time, and he was he, he commented, he was like, everybody loves them. And it made me think, similarly, with the birds, even uh, the birds who don't have a home get fed and God sees to it that they eat, whether um, it's from a human hand or whether they fly off and find it somewhere or however the case may be, even the birds are fed and taken care of. And um, Jesus is saying here, similarly for Christians, be faithful for the faithful that um, God's going to take care of us. And that's going to be um, that that's what we that's not that's not where our focus should be either. Of course, this um, it makes me wonder about the people who live in poverty, not just in Africa, but even here in the United States. How does that square for them not being taken care of, even though the birds are? Um, but then if you look deeper, it's like that because in the United States anyway, because people make it that way. There's no food shortage. There's no reason people should be starving. You don't have to look very far. You don't have to take my word for it. Search for it yourself and you'll see millions and millions of eggs being busted rather than being distributed to people for food. You'll see crops being destroyed rather than being distributed to people for food. Same thing with cows, same thing with pigs being slaughtered and thrown away 
rather than feed people. And that's happening right here today in the United States. And it's happening because of the corruption that people vote for. Because if people didn't vote for these subsidies, food prices wouldn't be as high. Farmers wouldn't be required to waste the food rather than give it away. And the same thing with milk. It's happening there too. And it's because it's what people vote for. It's not, and again, it's God's will is done in heaven, but we have to pray for God's will to be done in earth. That was part of the Lord's prayer that we just went over. And that's because look how people are doing the earth. And it's it's terrible. And it affects the very people who vote for it to be that way. It's madness. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So Jesus is saying here, Worrying isn't going to do you any good. You may be five foot and worry yourself to death wishing you could be six foot, but it's not going to happen. Worrying isn't going to do it. And he's saying here, it's pointless to worry. So um, he just finished telling us about prayer and fasting and charity. So I think in the, the, the deeper message is, let that be your approach to God and to life and the issues of life. Let charity be your approach. Let prayer be your approach. And then for some things, let prayer and fasting be your approach to it. But worrying is not what you want to do. It's not going to do any good. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. So uh, again, I feel like this points to worrying about what someone should wear and how that, whether that's considered sinful or not. Jesus is saying, don't let that be your focus. Don't let clothing or what someone has on, or in my case, doesn't have on, be what you focus on that's not where it's at look at the flowers they are beautiful just as they are and they don't have to do a thing to be that way and i think jesus is saying similarly here don't worry about the clothes and in fact with nowadays don't be fooled by the clothes don't be think that someone is holy righteous or higher than you or an authority on something because they have a two thousand dollar suit on or five thousand dollar dress on or ten thousand dollar purse or wallet on their hip don't think about that at all, because that's not what it's about. It's not about the things. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is in, the, is which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you of you? How much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? So this is Jesus sort of scolding us, letting us know He knows we don't have any faith at all, or we have very little faith. Excuse me. He knows that we don't but we have very little faith. And he's saying that even though with that tiny bit of faith that we have, God's still gonna take care of us. And to realize that and to, um, but the, again, part of it is within our power, it's our will that's done on earth. And we just have to pray that God's will is done here as it is in heaven. And he's saying, just like the rose, as beautiful it is, the carnation, as beautiful as it is, the lotus, as beautiful as it is, it's here today and tomorrow someone can use it for uh, wood for a fire. And, but it still was just as beautiful as it was and God made it that way. He's saying, similarly, don't worry about how it is you're um, presenting yourself. Don't worry about appearances. Don't worry about what someone has on. Don't focus on the outside, the exterior, because that can change in an instant, just like the rose. can suddenly be in your um, vase, and then tomorrow it'll be in your fireplace to try and keep you warm because your power is out. It can happen just that quick. Um, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? So again, Jesus is saying, don't let that be your focus. Don't let saying, Oh, we shouldn't eat that. 
if that's not godly, be your focus. Or, oh, no, you can't wear that. That's not appropriate for your gender. Uh, don't let that be your focus. And don't say, oh, you can't drink booze. Don't let that be your focus. That's, of course, if you have an alcoholism problem, that's a totally different story. But this is specifically, I think, pointing to religions that people create dogma people post up for other people to try to live by standards that they themselves may not even bother with but that they put on to other people to try and meet to make themselves feel like well that's what you need to do if you're going to be holy in my opinion and it's that's not where it's at jesus is saying that's not what you're supposed to focus on don't focus on the clothes don't focus on the food don't focus on uh alcohol and that's backed up by him turning water into wine at that wedding obviously alcohol in itself is not sin for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So um, the Gentiles will be non-Jewish people. And he's saying that that's what the whole world is going after. That's what they're seeking. They're trying to figure out um, God too. And he's saying, and they think that that's how you get to it, by what it is you eat and drink and wear. And special garb is what can, makes you holy, a special headdress or something like that. That's what makes you holy. Jesus is saying that's not the case. That's what the rest of the world is going after. But that's not what a Christian should consider as holy or be doing. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So he's saying that's the prime that's what your primary focus should be. That's what our primary focus should be as Christians, seeking the kingdom, seeking God's kingdom where his will is done. Seeking that. That's what our focus needs to be. Not on whether what you're wearing and, and certainly not how some churches will won't even let homeless people come into a church because of what they have on or nonsense like that. Jesus is saying that's not godly, that's not Christian, and that's not what God wants. Therefore, do not worry. Uh, oh, and then, and all these things shall be added to you. I think so. If you put God first, is what Jesus is saying, then the rest will come. Focus on the Lord in your relationship with God. And just like I said, everything's in his plot, in his picture, in his big grand scheme of things. He's the one who sees the big picture. God is the one who sees the big picture. If you focus on God, then what it is you'd like to see in your big picture, God is the one who's able to create that. Um, but there are things you have to do, we have to do to get there. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. Worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this is uh, borne out in our own lives when, if you think back, say like before you got whatever job it is you had, you might have been worried and concerned that you'd never get that job. And then the next thing you know, you have that job and you're totally content and all that worry about getting the job is gone and then suddenly the job is gone again and then so you're worried about where's the next job going to come jesus is saying don't do that don't let that be your worry don't let that be your focus focus on the lord and the rest will come uh, but you have to be faithful it can't be in pretense and that actually ends this reading i appreciate you checking it out hope it was a blessing for you and i hope you'll join me again i'm going to end this one here um, again, as always, for indexing, say, um, but I want to pick it right back up. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Mark, since it is Matt and Mark Monday. Um, but again, it'll just take a second. I'm going to, a moment, I'm going to finish this lesson up. And just in case you aren't able to join me for that one in Mark chapter six, um, hopefully you'll join me again um, for our Wednesdays, where we'll go over John and Luke, where we left off in those gospels. 
Um, and Saturday night after midnight, Sunday morning, we'll pick up where we left off in the book of Revelation, all God willing. So be safe in the meantime. Um, be good to each other. Wash your hands. And God bless you. Peace.